2: I'm WWE superstar, Drew McIntyre, and I am on the Hollywood Raw podcast. It is random. It is crazy, which means
1: I love it.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Tony Robbins.
1: Hey, guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching... Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast. I'm Dax Holt, joined by my really good buddy, Adam Glenn. How are you?
0: I'm good, Jabroni. How you doing?
1: Jabroni.
0: I'm using, <laughs> I'm using the, the wrestling terms, bud, because we got Drew McIntyre on the uh, today's podcast. You, uh, you like that word, Jabroni?
1: Jabroni. I do like that. Um, you know, I was thinking about this because I know, uh, you know, we, we've had uh, Big E on our podcast before. Uh, we... we we haven't had a lot of big WWE superstars. We've had a, a couple. But I, I feel like what I like about these episodes is we're going to bring our audience who doesn't know much about WWE or isn't into it. We're going to bring those people in as well. Like, you know, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to love an interview with a huge superstar and i promise you we're going to ask some random ass questions we're going to have you guys loving this episode because that's what we do we humanize these huge superstars so that everyone can love them not just fans of wrestling itself
0: yeah and if you're not familiar with drew uh drew is you know i interviewed the rock and i'm gonna, I'm actually gonna tell him this story but i interviewed the rock a few years ago and i said I said to The Rock, who is the next John Cena, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin in the WWE, WWE, in the WWE? and he said mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre, and uh, it's that, Drew that's McIntyre. That's a big
1: crowning moment if you have The Rock saying that about you.
0: Yeah, so this guy is already a star, but he is just, he's the man. Like, he's the current John Cena, he's the current Hulk Hogan, like, hes he's, he's a stud. He's a huge, 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 huge. Um, All right.
1: Let's let's uh, let's read a couple of reviews because I'd like okay. to get on hold. So I want to get him in here real fast. Um, but let's get to your reviews first. This runs from Hank the Hog. It says, Fab, I listened to far too many podcasts about murder and needed to take a break. So I thought a fine Nicholas Sparks novel would be nice. But then I figured out <laughs> the ending in two hours. The kid is what the kid, the dying lady and telling the story is is definitely her son at the, what, what is all of this? So I, I don't know. Over, I, I'm like, where <laughs> am I going with this? He gets to the party says, so I switched over to this and I love every episode. These guys are great. Also, Katy Perry is for sure. jean Bonet Ramsey. <laughs>
0: funny. funny five stars. From,
1: yeah, five stars from Hank the hog. Thank you, Hank. Sorry. I, I got a little lost in your, your, uh, your review, but I do like it. And he was given a reference to our, conspiracy celeb conspiracy theory episode uh the first one we did so all right thank you for that let's get to the next one this one comes from 2020 w longer five stars size does matter can you please make your episodes longer wow i don't that's i don't that's, know if we can do longer
0: uh i mean we could if we want to but we 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 got to get on i got to get on the streets bud but thank you for yeah, that I, nice I, words I gotta,
1: uh, I do. I would say, though, our raw rundowns, I try to keep them short because people like to get in and out on Fridays. So, yeah, those ones we probably won't make longer. These ones, interviews can kind of come and go with length. All right. Last one. <laughs> LG 2020. Love it. This podcast I discovered from the Jason show in Minneapolis, and I am hooked. I have to go back to the office two days a week now, and your podcast gets me through the day. You ask interesting questions and really get the guests to open up. Keep up the good work from LG 2020. Thanks, LG. And we are about to give you a lot of good questions that open up our next guest because... What we do, so our guest today is a superstar, a WWE superstar. He's currently the biggest athlete in sports entertainment, Drew McIntyre. Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast.
0: So, Drew, thank you for coming on the Hollywood Raw Podcast. Um, I want to kind of get right into it because you know, you are a WWE superstar, you've had an incredible career. You know, you've been a, a WWE champion, an intercontinental champion, a one you know, you're an NXT champion, you're a tag team champion. But what everyone wants to know is how is the catering backstage at the WWE?
2: (laughs) The catering is pretty sweet. I've got to be honest. The problem is for me personally on TV day and, um, you know, premium live event day when we have our big events once a month. I'm so busy and so stressed out getting myself ready for my big matches or my segments that I generally don't eat that day. So I miss out on all the quality food. So I try and preload, eat early in the day because I know the majority of the afternoon I'm going to be getting ready for the show and after the show thinking, man, I'm so hungry. I wish I took advantage of that awesome catering.
1: Are you allowed to take it home, though? Like, make a little, like, doggy bag of, like, food from the catering table and just kind of take it from the car Yeah,
2: around? you are. It, it closes at a certain time, and generally I'm kept so busy, I always forget. And then I'll see some of the lads leaving with their food, and I'm like, oh, you son of a gun. i <laughs> spend a fortune now at the the steakhouse down the street and sit in my hotel room, and they'll never have the silverware in there. They always forget, so I'm just, like, a savage in my hotel room afterwards, just eating a big steak with my bare hands, as most people probably imagine that, the you know, Scottish guy with a kilt and coming straight from the Highlands. Uh, what do you stick?
0: Yeah. So is the food backstage, is it mostly healthy since everyone's in shape? Or is it just everything, like from pizza to grilled chicken breast to whatever? Is it just yeah. a mix of everything?
2: There's a mix for, for everybody. Um, you know, there's always like a vegan option also. Obviously, uh, people diet, uh, different dietary needs um, these days. So there was something on the healthier side, something in the middle and something uh, vegan and vegetarian. Um, options and if we're on a tour, it seems like every time I go in the bus after a show, when we're you know in Europe or whatever, going from town to town, it always seems to be peace every time. So I always do have to have a words, like, hey. Don't forget, some of us are trying to eat healthy, but we really want to eat pizza so don't put it in front of us, please. going would be about 300 pounds.
1: I got to imagine that's tough when you're traveling around because you're trying to eat healthy, but like whenever I travel, I always eat like whatever there is. When you when you are traveling, do you share cars with other superstars? Do you share hotel rooms or is it like you got your own thing going?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't share a hotel room uh, these days with another uh, superstar. I'm a grown man. <laughs> so I, like my, I Like my own space. Uh, when I was younger, in my twenties, you know, when I was more keen about, you know, uh, having a show and then, you know, having a night out, and you're spending limited time in the hotel room and only sleeping for a few hours, I generally would share with another superstar. But that was in my, you know, early to mid twenties, and eventually got to the point where, well, okay, Drew, you're an adult; thing to get your own space, get your own hotel room. And when it comes to traveling, uh, car wise, from town to town. I do generally, um, you know, uh, shack up, whatever you want to call it, get a car with uh, one of my fellow superstars, somebody that I get along with uh, because you spend a lot of time together and uh, you end up almost like, um, actually, probably you nip at each other more than my wife and I nip at each other in real life. You have your road wives. You know, I'll have, uh, you know, Seamus or perhaps a Jinder Mahal. And Jinder is a bit more easygoing. You know, he just goes with the flow. But Seamus, you can get an idea what we're like just by our banter on Twitter, the way we go at each other back and <laughs> forth. You know, we go at each other and give each other a hard time way more than my actual wife and I. <laughs> just, I guess he's my road wife.
0: <laughs> I, I got to be, I think it's got to be so wild when. You know, you guys actually are driving, you know, when the, when the show is over, you're driving through the night to the next gig just to be there on time. And, you know, you're driving through the middle of the night and you could be at a 7-Eleven and all of a sudden you and Seamus, two huge monsters, walk into a 7-Eleven late at night. People got to be like, man, who are these guys? Like, it's just, it's probably a gnarly sight to see you two walking into a place just anywhere just because of the size of you guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, people would probably notice less if uh, he would actually put his hat on and you know, put his hood up like I do most of the time. People would just think, oh, that's a big guy. I wonder what he does. You don't really see the face. But Seamus likes to take his hat off. He likes to keep his hood down. And he looks like Ronald McDonald's jacked older brother. So he doesn't exactly blend into the backgrounds when people see him. Seamus, wait a minute, guy in the hat, beard, big. That's true. So we probably blend in more. But Seamus likes, you know, the attention. He likes to talk to people. He's very much a people person. After the show, I like to decompress. I like to blend into the background. You'll see me hunched over, just kind of hanging out. And I love to meet our WWE universe. I love to meet uh, our fans and talk about our product. But one o'clock in the morning, seven eleven, you're not meeting, you know, the guys or girls. <laughs> Sure, the kids that were just at the show, mostly drunk people. <laughs> so yeah. you just get on with things.
1: There's no way you're blending into the background. You're six five, man. But that being said,
2: I did a good job. Be surprised in like Nashville this area. Like I've got it down where my body posture, I look like Nosferatu. My wife calls me Nosferadru. The way I kind of move myself around with my hat on, and she's like, Wow, for you're such a giant guy, like you're nearly two eighty right now, and obviously <laughs> the long hair and the beard with the hat on, the hood up, the body posture. A pretty good job. Okay,
1: so tell me, what is it like when you get on a plane? What is it like for a 6'5", almost 280 guy getting on a plane? Are you getting two seats or is first class enough to, for you to spread out your legs? Like that just seems like it must be a nightmare.
2: It used to be um, fine in the business section, the first class section. But it seems like over the years, the airlines have decided to add some more seats, make some more money and make it a little more uncomfortable for those in the taller end i just flying back to the UK there for a big show, Clash of the Castle. I noticed the British Airways seem to have uh, minimized their business section, and they've got these little, how uh, do you know what you would call them for, for your leg area. You have to unclick the leg rest. You bring it down. It's very flimsy. So I'm sitting in my seat. I can't get down flat. It's impossible at my size to get down flat. So I put my legs on this flimsy little leg rest, which is I'm mock dead, I guess. I'm beside my wife. Just telling me to stop fidgeting around if I'm trying to get comfortable. And suddenly my legs go right through the leg rest and break it because I don't know who designed it, but I don't know. Hopefully they're not designing the planes. The thing just broke. I was like, excuse me, my leg rest broke and, So the stewardess was like, we've never seen that happen before, sir. And I was like, well, you know, that's just the way it's made. And then my wife jumps in and goes, no, it's him. He breaks everything.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs)
2: Always got the wife to bring you down a notch, huh? Yeah,
0: right. She could have got if she didn't say anything, you probably could have gotten an extra 100,000 miles for that trip.
2: You know? Yeah, Yeah. See th- my head would probably be the size of I don't even know what though. If it wasn't for my wife, she very much keeps my foot, feet <laughs> on the earth and about ten feet under the earth. <laughs> are, so <they're> seriously humble. <laughs>
0: because you travel so much, I mean, you're on the road nonstop. I mean, the WWE doesn't take off; they're always working, they're always hustling. Are you lifetime platinum editing the airlines? Or are you, or what's your status like with the airlines?
2: Uh, my status is pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I'm pretty much close to the top of every airlines as I've been with. WWE, since I was, my goodness, 22 years old, I started traveling full-time, and even the time I was outside WWE, I was still traveling full-time. So over those, oh my goodness, this one's 15 years now, you know, I've racked up some decent miles, and um, I generally fly, um, you know, business first these days. My old man, you know, earned (laughs) earned those seats, but also being a pretty big guy, you know, that's where I generally get booked. But I've got those miles there that come in handy for if I want to bring the wife or when I want to bring my family
1: from Scotland to visit in America so that's cool we,
2: we that's awesome
1: because you're traveling so much I'm assuming you're you're watching a lot of shows or binging stuff what what do you watch on Netflix or HBO or w- what are you watching?
2: I feel like I've pretty much watched everything Whatever is the current thing that everybody's watching the wife and I generally watch and it's amazing that on planes I really don't do much watching I think I'm the only wrestler in the world that has slight narcolepsy or something, wherever I sit for more than five minutes, I've got the ability to instantly fall asleep. Like those international flights, you'll catch me sleeping the whole time. Domestic flights, if it's an hour, you'll find me lying on somebody's shoulder, snoring all over them or snoring very loudly, apparently, according to everybody um, around me. But if I'm in the hotel, I'm at home, I'll be watching whatever the latest shows are. Um, my wife and I are still waiting for the new Outlanders to come out. I'm very excited.
1: I was going to ask you if you liked Outlanders you you big fan. Oh, i love
2: it she found it i've been pushing braveheart for years she was like "eh, it's okay okay it's amazing and it's 100 historically accurate just don't check the internet or don't check any history books <laughs> and um you know like many many different scottish shows you never get into and she was like, i finally found a scottish show she told me about it, it sounded a bit wacky and um, outlander we checked it out we watched it together love it very annoyed the last season only had like six episodes i guess they're doing you know, a bunch in the, the new season to make up for it, but they couldn't film the way they wanted to during COVID. So I'm very excited am um, about that. And, you know, Mick Foley, I guess, his buddies with one of the producers or something had mentioned. You know, you want to be on the show at some point? I went, no, I don't want to be on the show about Scottish people in kilts with swords. I'll, I don't do that any other time. I don't feel like I would fit in perfect.
1: <laughs> that show <laughs> is so good. Season one, episode seven, for anyone who hasn't seen it, go watch that episode. It's awesome. Uh, no, but I... I I always have to turn the subtitles on because I can't understand half the stuff that like all the little, uh, I don't know, mannerisms or the words that they say. I'm assuming you don't. Is all that the way they speak today or was that how they used to speak over in Scotland many, many years ago?
2: I mean, most of it's how they speak today, but also that's a very, very tame Scottish accent on everybody on that show. That's like the most well-spoken Scottish people, aside myself... That are on Outlander. Um, if you ever check my Twitter feed, whenever I do something very Scottish specific or for my soccer club, and um, if you go into the mentions, suddenly it's not, you know, my WWE fans with generally positive comments, it's why are you tongue like that, you forgot what you came for. Why are you no tongue like this now? <laughs> that's why that's why we have the thickest accents in the world in Scotland. We're impossible to understand. So an Outlander, it's very much tamed down. They use some slang words um but i also put the subtitles on because i'm very deaf <laughs> you know my left year is not good from the years of pyro so i also got to put the subtitles on for everything these days but yeah i love the show and i love the fact they use a lot of the slang so i can use it in real life and people generally catch on now if i'm talking about the barons <laughs> would mean...
0: yeah dax is obsessed with that i, he I really love, is
1: i love that show it is so good i and i didn't know so, what barons were before that show so i like the reference
0: I, you know, Dex, I I wanted to tell you something. I take a lot of credit because that's just the egomaniac in me. But I did something that I think ultimately put, you know, and I take, you know, I think, Drew, this was a huge thing because I was actually surprised when this happened. But I interviewed The Rock years ago and I said to The Rock, I said, Rock, who do you think is the next huge WWE superstar? Who's going to be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, John Cena? Like, who is that person in the WWE? And he said, Drew McIntyre, this video. And a video blew up. And uh, I remember, like, wow, that was really cool. And then it, it was crazy because your career started to really take off. And then all of a sudden it was through like gas on a fire, just blew up. D- did you see that video? And when you, and if you did see that video, like when you, and I know like Stone Cold Steve Austin really recently said something about you and praised you. When you have the veterans praise you, how does that make you feel?
2: That's uh, incredible. You know, I'm a lifelong WWE fan. Um I'm very lucky to be doing it full-time. I've been doing it for a long time and to hear that level of praise from not just people that I admire and respect, but people that were just huge successes in our industry that truly get it, how to become a top-level star, how to become box office. And The Rock's taking it to an extreme level, obviously, in Hollywood and taken over there. But it's just the best feeling in the world. And that was such a cool clip. Thank you for getting that because that was such incredible motivation at that particular time. I wasn't doing much on TV. I was lucky to be featured. I was very happy to be featured, but I was generic bad guy number three that was going to work with the top good guy. I was like, oh, Drew's big. He's hairy. He's angry. He's Scottish. That's a believable bad guy. not going to get much beyond that point, but, you know, there he is. He's got his uses, and The Rock had said that, and I thought, wow, that is so cool. And um, that he feels that way and it gave that extra mo- motivation to keep pushing forward because I always believed and I told Triple H this a few years ago my money's in my real story that's how I'm going to relate to people people can't connect to me but they can connect as the angry big character they can connect to the real person the real Drew the person that's been through so much all the ups and downs when we get to tell that story you know that's going to be the time when they connect or I'm completely wrong so, so it was like you know we got the chance not long after that to start telling my real story and everything I'd been through and how much I'd had to overcome. And that was the shot in the arm I needed, you know, hearing those comments from The Rock. And it meant the world to me. And, you know, he's such a great guy. And, you know, he's not changed during his entire life, career, success he's had. He's always at his feet on the ground. He's a workaholic. I once read um, in his book, All It Takes Is All You Got. And that really struck a chord with me. And I make sure I'm the busiest person in WWE. And I constantly give everything that I've got and, I talking about my wife keeping my feet on the ground, you know, I can see uh, meeting his mother, you know, why he's able to keep his, his feet on the ground like she's the coolest person in the world. I got to thank her this past WrestleMania because a few years ago, they me at 35, actually wrestled Roman. And uh, as you know, they've got a pretty big family. And One of them just screwed me over at Clash of the Castle. But um, there was a lot of people were down the front to see Roman's big WrestleMania match coming back from the leukemia. I was his opponent, and all I had was my little wife there trying to see the match. But she was kind of in the background at the front row, couldn't really see. And Rox Mama uh, took, her, took her to the front, made sure she was looked after, made sure she could see, and you can see why he's such a good guy in the way he is today, just with his
1: upbringing through his mother. Oh, what a yeah. great story. And now you owe Adam 10% of everything you make for before- <laughs>
2: Yes, <laughs> he
1: set me up. I'm just <laughs> then, yeah, like,
2: I'm not going to get anywhere. Oh my goodness, this is where I'm going to be forever. I'll never break through that glass ceiling. <laughs> and I started knocking away. Man, if they're up, you they can do it. I can do it. Yeah. But so, it was such a shot in the arm. Like somebody's like that says something like that. It really does motivate you. So I appreciate you getting those comments and I was blown away. You know yeah.
0: Yeah, no worries. Do you, I, I, you know, obviously you perform in front of sold out audiences around the world. You know, do you still get nervous? Like you go out there. It's not really scripted. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not. There's there's not, you're not reading off a monologue. You know, there's no teleprompter kind of telling you what to say. Do you get nervous when you go out still? Or you just kind of don't even think about it?
2: Um, I get nervous, absolutely. But it's more butterflies these days. Um, when I was first in WWE throughout my 20s, I would get so nervous to the point where um, I would almost be having panic attacks, to be honest and I would have my script in front of me, like a literal script, and I'd be trying to commit every word to memory. I've got to remember these words, If so I mess up one word, and I've screwed up the whole promo, and you can look back at my old interviews I would do in the ring, and you can literally see by my eyes, I'm trying to remember every single word that's on that piece of paper, and I used to have like moments where I'd forget, because you're trying to remember every word of an interview you've been given two hours prior, an hour prior <laughs> in your live television, and um, I would have a Like a move, I would do. Wade Barrett used to give me sticks. He was like, You forgot your place, didn't you? And you could always tell because I would stop. I would move my eyes like the Terminator. That was one of my old moves. I'd move the eyes first, then I'd move the head and I'd run my hand through my head. That meant I forgot my place. And, you know, I was very much not present, not in the moment during those promos, but like at least the boss would say, like Vince would tell me afterwards. I was a good pause at that point. I was like, Thank you, sir. It was very intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Words. And um, but yeah, I was so like trying, eh, like not in the moment, not present, and the crowd can feel that even if they can't articulate it, they can see it's somebody who's not believing what they're saying, just trying to recite a bunch of words. And the difference is now when I'm going out there, I've got the butterflies, I've got the idea what I'm going to say, I know how much time I have because we have to stick to our times on the show. we don't get so long, we're on the air, and our segment is allocated a certain amount of time. You go over it, you affect other people, cost the company money, etc. And um, so I go out with the intention of. This is what we've talked about. This is where I know where I need to get to. If it doesn't feel right, if the crowd aren't biting, I'm going to go a different direction and stay within the story confines to get to the ultimate goal. But number one, I'm going to be present so the crowd can see. I'm feeling the moment. You can look right in my eyes and see. He's feeling what he's saying right now. Find some nugget of truth in there, even if it's a ridiculous story. It's not necessarily true. I will always find the truth in the situation so I can believe it, and therefore they will believe it. And that's the difference these days, that whatever that paper says, you know, that's a guideline, but out there, I'm going to go with what feels right. And that's through experience. You'll learn that.
1: Now, do you have like a pre-match routine that you do every time? Like, oh, I got to drink a coffee or drink a tea or take a poop or whatever the case is before you go out to like calm yourself down?
2: No, it varies on the day. Um, some days are busier than others. Like I'm generally lucky to be very, very, very busy on TV day. So I'll be in um, our pre-taped rooms recording different PSAs and the things that I'm very fortunate to be part of. Like, you know, our many campaigns, I believe last week, and we did something for anti-bullying campaign, which I'm very fortunate to be part of. And then I'll be running off to um, do some social liners for shows across the world. And then I'll be asked, Hey, can you come in? Uh, by the ringside there's a stunt going down that you might want to see and get the camera angle for so i'm zipping all over the place during the day that if i wanted to stick to a routine and wanted to have something i have to do before every match it would literally be impossible the only thing i tried to stick to is something again the wife's good for it. she'll text me and say have you eaten some kind of carb because if i have a match i have a promo that's the only thing that's going to mess me up is if i've not eaten something specifically carbs so i'll have a bagel somewhere a banana somewhere i'll stuff those in my face about an hour before I go on television, just to make sure you know everything's working the way it's supposed to, physically and mentally.
0: That's interesting. Do you in the do you have to do your own laundry, or how does that work? Are you traveling your trunks, or can you just leave them and someone washes them for you when you're on the road? I
2: think I've got mentioned it about ten times. I'm married. I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 no, I I usually bring enough uh, things with me. Like I know what I've got to get done when I'm on the road. I've got my calendar. okay. I've got. This show, this appearance, so like this weekend, for example, I leave tonight and go to Seattle. We'll have SmackDown. Then we will have the two weekend live event shows. I'm back on Monday, so I'll pack appropriately. When I get home, I've kind of got a little OCD where I have to get in the house, unpack everything, put the laundry on, put the bag away, and put the laundry away as quick as I can just so that I can decompress. And when I'm home, I'm home.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I can imagine that. In the locker room. Is it one big locker room? Does it, everyone have their all their own rooms, or is it what's the setup like? Is, do you have your own shower? Is a group shower like everyone what's what's that setup like?
2: Uh, various from arena to arena um, or stadium to stadium, just whatever the team have is what we have. Yeah, know, we're using the team's locker room. So if they have um, you know individual showers, we have individual showers. If they have the group situation, we have the group situation like high school. Um, and when it comes to the locker rooms themselves we have our male talent locker room where everybody's in together. A certain talent will have their own locker rooms. You can probably guess who most of them are. It's <laughs> not something like, I ever want or would ever do. Um, like, I like being around uh, the boys. I like that yeah. camaraderie. I like that banter every week. Um, so I get straight in male talent. I like to hear what everyone's stories are for the week, especially the younger talent who are kind of experiencing everything for the first time. It's like, make me feel young. Let me live through you. <laughs> Even though I'm 37, like I'm one of the young old guys. Like A lot of our guys are in their mid forties. I would think some of them mid forties. I've been around for a long time, but as far as anyone's concerned, the younger talent, I'm one of the old men in there, so I like to hear all the stories. Now do
1: you have to like bring your own shampoo and conditioner, or is that stuff just sitting in the showers waiting for you guys?
2: Uh it varies. We can get access to it. We have our makeup team there every week who have everything you could possibly need. End, but I bring my own stuff. I've got my own products, I've got my own my own routines in the shower and in the bathroom. Yeah. You don't want to know about that. I do, and I'm prepared. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, your your hair is, you know, you come out, your hair is always wet. Is that water, or what What exact material is in your hair?
2: Just all the time. My hair's wet. Look at it right now. (laughs)
1: Is it like a gel, or is
2: it? consistently wet 24 hours a day. When you're a wrestler, like, as soon as you start wrestling, you go on TV the first time, you're like, what just happened to my hair? For the rest of your wrestling career, it's just magically wet until you retire, and then it's dry again. (laughs) Uh, that's just water for me. Uh, I, I did just work out today, and I did just shower literally before I came on this interview. That's why it happens to be wet right now. <laughs> um, but I use water just specifically. like A lot of the guys use conditioner uh, with water, which keeps it wetter for longer and gives it a different look. Uh, for me, I just put the, the water in and kind of like um, how it looks and try not to go overboard. Like I've always had pretty fine hair, and if you go too far, you, know, you start seeing through it, which is not ideal. In my entire life, I've been like... Ooh, my hair's probably not long for this world. My dad doesn't have any, all my uncles don't have any, but my mother's side do. And I think I may have got lucky with my mother's side and my brother perhaps, you know, went towards my dad's side. So I'm feeling fortunate right now. My hair's still sticking around.
1: I've heard it's from your, your mother's father's, but uh, I think it is. But so if, as long as your mother's father had hair, you're good. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm hoping.
2: He added to the, you know, the day he passed, like he was uh, six foot three, you know, big policeman, a former professional soccer player, and he always had a glorious head of hair his whole life. Even more glorious than mine. I just hope mine sticks around,
1: and I'll be happy. So, yeah. I, I see you're wearing a, a McIntyre shirt now. Do you collect any of your own personal merchandise? Because I know, like when I think back to like Hulk Hogan and just how he had these this room full of all this memorabilia with him. All or do you collect yours?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't have a shrine to myself, like some of the guys do, <laughs> where I go in and show people and go, here is my shrine. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do um, you know, keep a lot of my things now, and that's something I learned over the years. Um, something Randy Orton kind of taught me as well was after big matches, keep a little something. I remember during our Hell in a Cell match, I um, clipped open the padlock um, with a big pair of bolt cutters. And he got a little piece of the padlock and he gave it to me and kind of told me he likes to keep a little something from big matches. So I started doing that when it comes to the action figures. I have some from back in the day, but since I came back my second run, I keep a lot more and I understand now, uh, with my, again, my old mind and a younger superstars body, um, that one day everything will just become memories and it'd be nice to have physical reminders of those memories. So I do, you know, and collect what I can collect now especially the cooler stuff if I see myself front and center on a calendar with uh, that's the recent one I got myself Roman Reigns and John Cena I think were the three featured on the front of it and I was like my goodness I was in 3MB not too long ago this is cool so you know it gives me perspective and also I am you know understanding this could all end tomorrow and it'll be cool when I'm sitting down on the you know rocking chair and my porch out there and i'm thinking about the old times that i'll be able to reach into the you know the old closet and pull out some reminders maybe i'll make a shrine when i retire i don't know so don't
1: know. what but, right now what is your prize piece of memorabilia from a match or something that uh, you look at and you go that is the coolest thing i own at this moment
2: i'd say the coolest i mean i've got a few cool things uh like i got a like double pack with the undertaker one time, which was really cool. I uh, during my first run, little rumblers figures. Um, but the coolest one is definitely the WWE title that I won against Brock. Um, I don't know if when I lost it, I was supposed to give it back, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's secret, but I have it. <laughs> and it's my possession. I ain't giving it back. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, if I reach to the side, of I mean, you know, I have a couple of these guys that are pretty cool. <laughs> cool. <So> wait, <laughs> you know, where, where do you
1: keep the title? Like, WD
2: Back in the day, I've got two slammies. I go in hard. used to wave around all the time. So, you know, I'm pretty proud of those things
1: as well. Huh? So where, where do you keep the title belt then? Where is it just sitting out or you got to get it locked up? Oh, in a no, no. It's one.
2: very secure, yeah. Pretty much all my stuff um, is like in the specific area that I keep everything. Um, so there's like a secret room I discovered. My wife and I moved to Nashville about a year ago. Uh, we found this awesome house. Seamus had been, you know, poking at us for years to move here and finally, you know, it was the right time. It reminds me of Scotland. And my wife of West Virginia where she's from, a lot of greenery, a lot of open space, right kind of the farmland area. And it just so happened, this house is a secret room. So that's where instead of the shrine to myself, I'll shove my stuff in my secret room where I can enjoy and I don't shove it in everyone's face. That's so awesome, a secret in, yeah. room that's dope. And it has like a... Yeah, and I just discovered it wandering around the closet and I went, the heck's in here. And I went in and there was like a stage. I could probably have a concert in there actually. <laughs> like it's pretty close to where I'm sitting right now. There's like literally a stage set up and some shelves and stuff. I went, all right, this belongs to me, my secret room. I like that's it. awesome. That's pretty cool.
0: That's really like that. cool. So listen, uh, you know, obviously the WWE's been in the news a lot the past few weeks. There's been um some different role changes, you know, and especially with Triple H. You know, Triple H is now gonna be head of the creative, I believe, and Shawn Michaels is now coming back and kind of helping along in assisting with this. How has the vibe been backstage with the WWE? Because I mean, obviously it's the same thing. Every you guys just plan on putting on a great performance every week. But how is like behind the scenes is there a different vibe is there a different kind of you know some guys are coming back which a lot of people are excited about there's you know it's just a it's a it, this happens in any company but how is it you know have you noticed a difference with the WWE at all
2: uh yeah I mean I guess the excitement factor um, as I mentioned we're so go 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 especially on those television days and uh, premium live event days that we don't have a chance to kind of sit down and you know take everything in um, and it's business as usual but there is that excitement in the air because people keep turning up we've not seen for a minute it's like oh there's such and such oh there's such and such and you try to catch up with them and then someone else pops up over here so it's not just exciting for fans watching on television it's exciting for the superstars on the roster you know just seeing and um, you know what's happening on the show and specifically for who's going to turn up next or attack me from behind and start bashing my head off the steps yeah yeah I I believe. By the way,
1: (laughs) you know what I want to know. I want to know. You see these huge personalities on on TV, like The Undertaker, and you see what they're like when they're in front of all these people. What was The Undertaker like backstage when he wasn't being The Undertaker?
2: He was awesome. Um, He was um, put in charge of me probably against his will um, when I was about twenty three. Um that was about the time where I think the powers that be realized that the older generation were starting to retire, weren't gonna be there forever, and they had to start pushing some uh you know youth to the front and it became the youth movement. And Seamus and I were kind of the first two uh, people they took as the kind of projects of okay, we start have we have to start building for the future with Seamus on Raw and myself on SmackDown. And Seamus was put under the Triple H learning tree and uh, I was put under the Undertaker learning tree, and you know, Vince said you don't listen to anybody but The Undertaker. So that was such an incredible opportunity. And I wish I thought the way I think now back then, like his wrestling IQ is obviously off the charts. And at the time, mine was a lot lower than it is now. So, so many of those lessons that I got, uh, just flew right over my head. And thankfully I remembered a few and light bulbs went off as the years went by. Uh, But that was such an amazing opportunity and to watch how um, he conducted himself backstage you know, he just always uh, was the coolest guy in the room. You could feel him when he walked in the room. He had such a presence. Um, if there was a situation, it was always dealt with calmly and um, by him. So it's such an impact on me and how to be a leader, how to conduct yourself, and to watch him in such physical pain. And I can talk about this stuff now openly because of the Last Ride documentary, where I never would speak about this stuff, that he was so open about his life and what was going on backstage. But I would see him literally unable to walk at times, Try to put himself together in the training room. And this is non-televised shows. Like, I remember a specific one in Mexico City where I was like, he can't wrestle tonight. Like, my goodness, like, he's a madman. Like, somebody stop him. Don't let him go and do this show. He can barely walk. And then I saw him do his entrance, which is obviously a bit slow, so he can get through that. But all of a sudden, he's flying around the ring like a Mexican luchador. And I went, how is this possible? I literally watched this man and able to walk backstage. Now he's hitting the ropes faster than anybody in the entire WWE doing his diving clothesline and then hitting all his signature moves, having the time of his life. And he came backstage. He seems fine till that adrenaline goes down. And it was, um, you know, back to, you know, the physical problems again. And I was like, man, look at him right there. That's somebody who truly loves this industry industry so much. He's willing to give everything, including his body to it. And that has such a profound impact on me. And obviously the world got to see it and through the last ride documentary, what kind of person he is and how much he loves, loves, loves this industry.
0: Yeah. No, he's, uh, it's definitely interesting to see what he's doing now because we get to, you know, he was always in character. He was always the Undertaker, which he still is the Undertaker, but he's not walking around with the music anymore. It's just, you kind of get to know the person a little bit and it's, uh, it's cool. It's exciting to see him, you know, back to you though, because you've become such a superstar.
2: Well, no, for me, I did tell him recently that I had in there because this thing bothers me a lot. I saw him at Clash and he had his one dead man show and came around the ring and I saw him. And, you know, like these days, you know, we talk in a a similar level, fortunate to call him uh, a friend. And I did say to him, Dead man talking. It was right there. It was right there. <laughs> <laughs> One dead man show when dead man talking was right there. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I like
0: that. You you know, you become such a superstar. You know, you've always been a WWE superstar, but you've just been such a global star in the past few years. And you've had such an interesting career because, you know, you're with the WWE, then you left them, then he came back. And it's just wild to see. I've never seen... As far as I know, or I can recall someone who's had like the career path as you. Now, since you become such a star, who's the coolest person that ever ended up in your DMs on Instagram? The one you're like, oh, this is pretty awesome, and you showed your wife or something?
2: Uh, first of all, thank you. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's been a few. Um, in recent memory, I guess, like an unexpected one was when uh, – Glasgow Rangers, my soccer team, won the league. And um, like most people out there won't know their story, but basically they were um, relegated or demoted to the bottom division in Scotland. They were the top team in Scotland, along with the other top team, Glasgow Celtic. There's only two teams anyone in the world knows from Scottish soccer, football. And they got demoted to the bottom division right at the same time as I got fired. And every year I kind of rose up the ranks. They would rise up a division. It was interesting how we paralleled each other right until 2020 and um, where I won the WWE title. And I basically told them, right, it's your turn now. You got to win the league. Our rival team had won nine seasons in a row. And the record for uh, victories consecutively was nine. You know, we'd done it once. The other team had done it once. They were about to do 10. And we managed to stop them. Um, and we won the league and prevented them winning 10 in a row the same season, uh, same year that I got the WWE title. So it was cool doing that together. And afterwards I talked about that and I got, a message from the manager you know steven gerard um a very famous soccer player for liverpool and uh, we had a little banter about that and that was pretty cool and there's been celebrities and stuff in there that other people would find cooler but i'm probably not going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> most of those but... Um, but yeah i mean through this job you, you meet some cool people and you meet um, some interesting characters and you meet some people you looked up to and um you know i found that in the end they're, they're all just people which is the coolest thing in the end you know we're all just the same and the trick to this life is just be a good person because none of us get out of
1: life have you ever looked out into the audience and you recognize like a big movie star that you're like ah i didn't realize i would i i didn't expect to see you here or oh i didn't realize you were you, you were into wwe ever had that moment
2: i've had a couple um a couple from the uk tour fairly recently i remember recently being on the floor during L- in london Um, I think I was facing Roman on a big show there and uh, I was crawling along the ground. I looked up, reaching to the crowd in pain and I saw Lewis Capaldi, the Scottish singer, there um, and he's like, come on, Drew. Get it done. I went, all right, Lewis Capaldi. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Another time, uh, right before I went out, somebody smarted me up. It might have been Corbin right before I went out and said uh, Mel B from the Spice Girls is out there and I was like, oh, really? And then I kind of went to her people and said, you know, I don't want to Put her on the spot and see if she's trying to hide. And they were like, Yeah, she's kind of trying to hide. And I went, Okay, okay, you know, I can use this. Um, but I'll make sure I don't point her out and everybody you know gets on top of her. She's got her family there. So I believe I was tagging with Jeff Hardy that night and I told him, Like, Jeff, and um, I'm gonna do a little promo for the match. And uh, you know, the Spice Girl song, Wannabe? to Be? He He's like, Yeah, bro, I know, Wanna Be. I was like, So all I'm gonna say, is, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And then you say, So tell me what you want, what you really, really want, and I'll say, I wanna back to you, wanna, wanna. wanna. <laughs> Really, really, really want to kick these guys' asses. He goes, "Oh yeah, cool, that's no problem, bro." And I let him know that she's there, but I just wanted to do a little, you know, wink and a nod to her, but also our cameras can catch at the same time. And sure enough, we did that, and I seen her shaking her head. But I didn't want to, do that so that was cool. just sing a little. uh because another last time I ended up singing in WWE shows, of course we've seen <laughs> Clash of the Castle. Nonetheless, that was a cool moment to <laughs> do a bit of Spice Girls to Mel So, I
1: so love that. obviously,
0: yeah. So Drew, obviously this interview has been super random with all the stupid random questions we have, but we're going to get to the last uh, few random questions for you. The WWE, at the end of the year, during Christmas time, do the superstars, do you guys have your own Christmas party? Like, any job has a Christmas party, you know, most of them. Do you guys get together and have a Christmas party, like, after one show, or what do you guys do? Or, or like, are you guys just tired and just want to go home?
2: Uh, I think we spend enough time with each other, uh, more than we see our own family. (laughs) We just want to go home and see our family outside of our WWE family because we see each other so much. But the ones you're close to, you know, you'll have your night out, you'll have your dinner together, whatever, while you're on the road. And then, like I say, you'll get home and see your uh, you know, family that you don't see as much as the fellow superstars. But, uh, you know, our people in the office and uh, those that are behind the scenes, the unsung heroes that you don't get to see or hear about, there is a big party for them every year. And uh, I've been fortunate to get a chance to to go along there and, you know, thank them for all the hard work they do to actually make us you know, superstars. We'd just be wrestlers in there. Doing a little wrestling match if it wasn't for everyone around us doing what they do to highlight and um, us and lift us up and make us so much more larger than life than we are. Yeah, that's cool.
1: I want to know because you're on your your path to becoming a WWE Hall of Famer, who would you want to induct you into the Hall of Fame? Ooh. That's a good question. Let's
2: see. Not Shatter like Jerry Lawler did. <laughs> so many people. you've <laughs> had. Oh, God, it's going to end up being Seamus, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, he's been there since, uh, you know, before we both got signed and the good times, the bad times. You know, I, I'm best man at his wedding coming up. I was, He was best man at my wedding. We give each other hell all the time, as everybody sees. We fight <laughs> more than me and my actual brother and uh, uh, people get to see it on TV as well as backstage they don't get to see but uh yeah I mean it's got to be got to be shit
1: yeah, probably the greatest speech because he knows you better than anyone else
2: oh, I'd be just nervous that's the only thing why I was like God, I want him to do all the things he knows <laughs>
1: <laughs> it'll just be a roast it won't even be an induction it'll just be a full roast yeah
2: we'll see how his his wedding speech goes very soon <laughs> he's like you better watch what you say also I don't know everything so am I going to learn everything tonight <laughs> What was
0: your most embarrassing moment in the ring?
2: most embarrassing moment in the ring. I mean, there's a few things that I probably saw as embarrassing when I was younger that weren't that embarrassing, like messing up a wrestling spot. Like, that's the last thing in the world you should be concerned about. Uh, But there's way more than that's happened. Um, There was times where I wasn't very well, that I thought I'd had an accident. Thankfully, I didn't. That's never happened to dramatic I <laughs> a couple of close calls that I was so concerned I ran to the back after and had to check. And I was okay. <laughs> I was sick. Um, I was once a New Year's baby. It was not televised. <laughs> that was pretty embarrassing. These days, again, these are the kind of things when I was younger, I saw as, oh my goodness, I can't believe this has happened. I'm such a serious wrestler. And eventually you realize, like, man, like, just, this is, we're kids, we're playing right now. Um, like, we get a chance to do this wild job you've always dreamed about it. you're entertaining people and you can't just do the same thing every week you get to do mad stuff i'd love to dress up as a baby right now i'd have a hell of a time like when i was younger though i was like my goodness I can't believe this i'm such a serious wrestler i cannot believe i'm putting on this like was wasn't a diaper but a sheep thing like half-assed toga with the members of 3 MB and a non-televised show and then i had one of the guys pull um <laughs> the toga thing i guess i adjusted it in a way where you pulled it and it came off so i had my under tights under it no knee pads sneakers on and i just did a little dance around and realized i looked like a male stripper <laughs> and it was a little embarrassing but again if that happened today i would love it like these days there's nothing you can do to me or put me in a position where i'd get embarrassed because i've been through so much and i realized what's important now and i realized the entertainment factor and Again, I've mentioned a couple of times. The the singing that happened in Cardiff the other day, like if you told me you're going to sing a song after you lose a big match, and I don't know how much, I've still not checked how much was on TV, but not all of it was supposed to be on TV. But you know, we went for it, and if you embrace it, chances are the crowd are going to embrace it too, and you're going to have a fun time together. And then after that fun time, you deal with the serious issue, the serious storyline stuff, and the following TVs. Absolutely.
1: Who's is, who is like the sweatiest guy you? Faced off in in the ring.
2: Hmm. Bobby Lashley. Yeah. He's a sweaty, sweaty, jacked, jacked man. <laughs> he's, to, he's over the top of me and sweats up, getting in my mouth and stuff, and I'm <laughs> kind of my screaming the whole time.
1: How <laughs> oh, you not gag yeah. if someone else's sweat goes
2: in your mouth? Yeah, uh, I watched Bobby closely in his matches. Uh, I never actually wrestled Shane, but I was by his side a lot. But I imagine Shane might have had him beat if we ever actually wrestled each other.
0: <laughs> Who is the strongest WWE superstar you ever faced or you know, current WWE superstar that's the strongest?
2: Uh, Mark Henry or Brock. When those two grab you, you realize this is not a regular human being and I'm a big guy, but... There's nothing I can do to get away. Right. now. <laughs> remember, Mark in particular had me in a crossbody position, Um, and he told me basically, "I'm going to put you on your feet, like, in front of you, but not behind me." Like, okay, how are you going to get me there? I'm just going to throw you. Like, All right. I didn't question it. World's Strongest Man, and sure enough, I. Yeah, that went for the crossbody. caught me, and he didn't even throw me. His arms didn't move. He just kind of flicked his wrists, and I glided about a foot over his head and landed on his feet on my feet behind him, like superhero pose. Almost went. What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> no idea how I just got here, but there's a reason. He's the you know, world's strongest man, I guess.
0: <laughs> one of my one of my favorite accounts on Instagram is WrestleBotch, where they just show. Oh, you yeah, do well. do you, how how often are you just like? Do you laugh at when you see those videos? Because it's got. Do other wrestler uh, superstars? laugh at those videos because i mean listen. wrestlers
1: now it's okay
0: yeah it's funny yeah uh, yeah i guess i can't say wrestle. so is it funny though when you see these videos because i mean that i love it i think it's amazing what was your favorite botch by the way
2: um i, I love it when it's not people get hurt uh that's the only ones that yeah those uh, that are tough like. yeah uh, if people actually get hurt and if I know they're okay afterwards, and I watch them, like there was the one recently with, in the NWA show with the superplex, and I don't even know how they ended up on the top rope, like the um, like the one with superplexing the other one off the ladder, and somehow I ended up superplexing like back first on the rope, and he flipped around, but I couldn't even like I saw like the clip in the corner of my eye, I went oh, nope. and then I quickly googled he's it, it okay, and then I went back and watched it to try and understand the mechanics of like how he even got in that situation. But uh, I enjoy the, the silly ones, like uh, they aren't necessarily botches. Like I love where Sid is just screaming uh, because his car got crushed. Um, who was it? That was crushing his car? Was it Goldberg? I, I,
0: I, I forget. That was a great one. He just screams like "No!" <laughs> like he just starts screaming at a yeah.
2: Like yeah, I like shouting, but I don't mean, Like Sid screaming with a crushed car. Like is a bit every week cracks me up. And then I don't want to get <laughs> mentioning Sid one after another, but obviously when he wanted to do a redo, it was like, live pal. <laughs> <laughs> we're live.
0: I think it was like me and G like, no, we're live and uh
2: <laughs> yeah. well, that one keeps coming up every so often. So that's that's a good one right there. Not to harp said Sid, it's just the two that are coming to mind right now.
1: So okay, so my last random question for you is you don't wear a lot of clothing in the ring. So what do you no. wear when you go to a beach? Are you wearing like speedos or are you wearing full board shorts when you're out in you know a beach setting? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Yeah, I wear more clothes in real life than I do at work, that's for sure. (laughs) I don't really go to the beach. It drove my dad crazy. I lived in Florida for over 12 years. And um, in the beginning, I'd go to the beach now and again to meet up with people or whatever, but for the last... Six, seven, eight years. I never went to the beach, and he's in air Scotland, just freezing cold, raining all the time. He's like, "Do you want the beach this week, son?" Or, no. Say, like, "If I had a beach right there, do you remember where you came from?" Just freezing cold here every day. Get yourself down to the beach just for me. I was like, "Ah, oh, Dad, I could walk outside. And I'm just gonna melt." Like, yeah, I wasn't big on laying out in the sun, and. You know, Seamus says aging like Benjamin Button because he's never been in the sun his entire life. I don't think he even knows what the sun <laughs> is. So I think I need to start taking a page out of his book and stay away from the sun if I want to stay relatively youthful. looking. That's funny.
0: I love it. Well, dude, Drew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, Dax, you, like... You, you follow him on social, right? It's, it's yeah. Just yeah. A really- yeah. If,
1: if for anyone who wants to follow, him, he's a great follow. You can find him at deep McIntyre, WWE on Twitter, same thing on IG. And you can all obviously watch him on SmackDown every Friday on Fox. Drew, you have been awesome. I love when we get to talk to these big superstars, um, I don't know it's just it's a world that I like to get a glimpse behind and see how it really works I mean uh, we had Big E on a little while ago he was just so fun so full of energy and I think for people that aren't even fans of WWE like this is a glimpse that you know you can understand you can understand why you guys are so just fun and entertaining and relatable and I love all of it so thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you
2: very much for having me. It's been a fun conversation, different as well. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always up for a laugh, up for something different. Like you mentioned, if people are tuning in for the first time, they get to know you know a little bit of everything about us uh, because of the way you all approach the interview. So thank you. It's more like a conversation you can call an interview. It was just a chat. So I appreciate the chat. Yeah. awesome. Thank you, buddy. I,
0: were, were those questions too random? Because they're just so – they weren't even all no, over the place. they it was were just like,
1: amazing. I love it. I, I love – you know why we're a fun interview because like you said this is i'm answering questions that i've never answered in any interview ever and i think it's you know people like this have to probably get tired of like talking about Mm -hmm. their biggest fight matches or you know Uh, Whether or not WWE scripted Like there's certain things in there That they probably just get sick and tired of talking about Over and over and over again And we hit them upside the face with some random ass shit Like the the, Just the catering table from the very beginning So I think people truly enjoy this
0: Yeah no it's (laughs) I just hope he didn't get like he was like what what the? he probably had no idea what he was getting himself into he's like wait when, when are we gonna talk like wrestling but we're just hey catering hey when you guys drive – hey what status are you at Delta um <laughs> yeah <you know, laughs> which I don't know I'm kind of curious you know, I don't what? know.
1: but because I what I know is that our not everyone in our audience is gonna be a WWE fan but yeah. I think that they're going to be interested in the answers to some of these questions which brings everyone in so i loved it um make sure you follow him obviously on social media make sure you're following us on social media you can find us on ig hollywood raw pod you can find us on youtube facebook we've got this obviously private facebook page if you go to find hollywood raw on facebook but then find inside of there there is the off the record private facebook group where we answer all of you guys' questions talk about stuff we can't talk about here on the podcast that that community has been growing like crazy i think i admitted some like 500 people last week into the the private facebook group so come join um we're moderating it we're the ones answering the questions talking to you directly you guys talk Um, to each other yeah you guys talk to each other it's been it's been really fun watching this um our our inner circle grow for the podcast. Um, But you can find me at Dax Holt. You can find Adam at Adam Glenn. And please take a moment, head on over to iTunes, scroll down to the bottom and leave us a review five-star only so we can read it at the top of the show, give you a little shout out and say thank you for taking the time. Until next week, guys, we'll see you then. A Huda Media Production.